This is the Good Neighbor Podcast, the place where local businesses and neighbors come together. Here's your host, Stacey Risley. Friends and neighbors, welcome to North Atlanta's Good Neighbor Podcast. Today we're here with Brian Conlin and with Brian Conlin Interiors. Hey Brian, how are you today? Hey Stacy, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. I'm so glad to have you on. Um, our listeners won't know that I first met Brian at a chamber event. Not, I guess it's been a couple months ago now. Uh, so I've had the the, the pleasure of, of spending a little bit of time with him and he's just a treat. You're going to love him. So <laughs> we're going to jump right in, Brian. And if you will, go ahead and tell our listeners about your business. Tell us about Brian Conlin Interiors. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Stacey, for having me. I'm, I'm really excited about today. And yes, yeah, so I am an interior designer, own my own interior design business, Brian Conlon Interiors. Um, I've been in business two and a half going on three years, but been in the interior design industry for about eight years. So I worked in the industry before going out and kind of starting my own interior design business. Um, mainly, I do residential interior design, um, and I work with residential homeowners on kitchen, bath, and interior spaces, um, and advising them on you know the time that they have, you know how to best spend their money, um, and how to approach some of those unique, you know, troublesome spaces that are just a little bit hard to work around. Um, in between listening to what the client is telling me, listening to me to what the space is telling me, and then listening to what the architecture is telling me, I begin to develop design concepts that meet the needs both functionally and aesthetically for my clients and create beautiful homes that they will hopefully enjoy for years and years to come. Awesome. Well, that is a, that, that was a fabulous answer. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> <were> very prepared. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> that was fantastic. Uh, so, well, so tell our listeners about your journey, Brian. What led you down this uh, career path? Absolutely. So I'm one of those people that I consider to be very fortunate because I figured on very figure out very early on what it was that I wanted to do. Um, so growing up, my mother was an art teacher and my father was in the Marine Corps, the military. And so uh, on the military side, you know, every three or four years, we were always picking up and we were moving and having to, you know, rebuild a house and, you know, redo a bedroom, that sort of thing as a kid. Um, and then with my mom being an art teacher, every time that I moved, one of the ways that we got incorporated into the new you know, place that we were living is getting involved in the art community and getting involved in art classes. So when I was a really young kid, you know, I was always in drawing classes and painting classes. And, you know, that's how I really learned how to express myself. Um, so as I got a little bit older and into high school, you know, I was always really interested in a career path, you know, something creative, something artistic that I would enjoy doing. And then in high school, I took an architecture class where we were able to, you know, build models and, you know, use CAD programs and, you know, build floor plans in these CAD programs. And I found that I really, really enjoyed that. And so, kind of deciding, you know, going to school, what it was that I wanted to do. I found that interior design was the right blend of the creative side, the artistic side, and the technical side of architecture. And so um, I ended up going to Florida State for interior design. Um, I have a bachelor's degree in interior design. And through my work in the design program and doing, you know, an array of different projects, I discovered that, you know, the residential side was the route that I really wanted to go. Um, I was also fortunate in school to be able to do two internships, one with a small residential interior design firm and then one with a larger architecture and engineering firm. And I found that, you know, after analyzing both of those that I really enjoyed kind of the personal connection with working in the residential side, you know, working directly with the homeowner on their space to really help turn their house into a home. Um, so after I graduated, I 
Um, I was a design assistant for an interior designer up in the Washington DC area. Um, did that for about a year and then was in the, made a transition, was in the kitchen and bath specific industry for a few years. And then also worked for a design builds company before starting my own company. So been able to wear a lot of hats and experience the industry from a lot of different points of view before going out in my design business. And that's how I ended yeah. up, you know, in my design business and, you know, loving every day, working with folks and, you know, again, helping them build their dream homes. Well, I'm loving your journey. That was fantastic. And, <laughs> and then, and I love that you had, you know, your mom was an art teacher, you know, and then yes. the, the, the fact that you were moving regularly and then, you, you know, immersed in different homes and different, you know. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think one of my favorite things growing up is, you know, you get a new house or a new room, you get to pick a new paint color. And I remember even being a really little kid and going, you know, to the paint store and going through the paint chips and, you know, which color am I going to paint this room? Am I going to do it the same as the old and so, yeah, so it was, ah, a, it was a great upbringing that really prepared. That me really for is. I never, so I never would have like, you know, connected those dots that that would lead you down that down a, a path. But it makes perfect sense hearing you you explain it all. And I love to you that you were saying that that in high school, you know, that you had the, the CAD program that you were able to to be able to um, to really find out early what you wanted to do. And that's such a change, you know, for, I'm, I'm significantly older than you. And so like the, such a change from when I was in high school, you know, like we had auto mechanics, I think was like, <laughs> right, you know, right. <laughs> as career paths go, you know, we really didn't have that option, you know, and um, I'm just, I'm, I'm so happy that, that people are able now to figure out what they want to do when they're a whole lot younger and you still have a, a lot of experience under your belt, but then, you know, being able to know from, you know, I mean, geez, a lot of people are, a lot of kids are still figuring out their major, their junior year, you know, but to mm -hmm. go into mm -hmm. school and to go to, a, you know, Florida State's a, a, not a small school either, you know, mm -hmm. and to be able to go there and know from the get go right out of the gate, what it was you were studying and that, you know, you're taking the right classes and not like my, my current daughter, who's a senior, who was taking lots of unnecessary classes. Sure. Sure. Right. Yeah. I remember That's being in school awesome. too. And the Florida state program, it was limited acceptance. So, you know, you had to, the first year of the school was really developing a portfolio and then it had to go through, you know, you had to be accepted because there was only a certain number of slots in the program. And right. I remember the guidance counselor at the time was like, well, you know, what are some other, you know, majors you might be interested in just in case you don't get in. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. There's, I don't nothing. There's nothing else. I'm like, I don't I'll try to find something. So I'm I'm very glad and very fortunate that I got into the program and that it ended up working out because yes, like I said, you know, from very early on, I knew that this was what I wanted to do. And so I'm happy that it all worked out. Yeah. Well, me too. Congratulations. Thank I mean, you. like that, that you. you put a lot of hard work into this. So that's, uh, that's wonderful for our listeners to know. And I'm glad to be able to help you share that story. So, well, let's uh, talk about myths and misconceptions for just a second. And I'm sure uh, there's uh, quite a few and I'm, I am not very savvy on your industry. I, I'm <laughs> the furthest thing from an interior sure. decorator. So I'm looking forward to hearing these myself. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> So, myths or misconceptions, Brian. <laughs> sure. So I would say the biggest myth and misconception when it comes to interior design and the interior design industry is that it's not what it's like on TV. So when you're watching wow. the home renovation shows on TV, when you're clicking through, you know, the channels, 
a real project and approaching a real project is not exactly what it is in those shows that you see on TV. Those shows are more for entertainment value and they're great for inspiration, but paralleling that to what an actual going through an actual design project is like, it's just not, it's just not the same. And I say that both from the um, design point of view, but also the catastrophic point of view, you know, on a lot of the shows, there's that catastrophic point where, oh no, we came across something that, you know, we can't, oh, it's going to cost, you know, so much more money to get this fixed. or we're going to have to give, you know, give up something for the design project. Very rarely in my experience has, and I'm not going to say it's never happened because it definitely has, but I'm going to say very rarely I could probably count on one hand, you know, just how many times something totally catastrophic like that that was not even on a radar at all has, yeah. you know, really ever happened. And again, I'm not going to say it's never happened, but I'm going right. to say very, very rarely has that happened. And I um, bet the cat I bet for casting for those shows they they already know ahead of time <laughs> that, right. that something catastrophic is going to happen here <laughs> right because, right yeah, like you said for entertainment value you know they need mm -hmm. that as part of the show <laughs> exactly and especially you know when it comes to the to the renovation side you know where a contractor is involved or possibly an engineer is involved you know from the very beginning they can have a pretty good sense whether it's you know inspecting the house or looking at plans if plans are available there's a pretty good they have a pretty good sense of being able to tell, you know, something very, very, you know, early into the design process so that it's not halfway through when the house is completely torn apart. And yeah. now and we're that's coming across one, something that's, that's major. I, I wouldn't have thought of that at all. And I'm glad that you brought that up because at first when mm -hmm. you said it's not like it is on TV, I was kind of disappointed because I did, while I am not a design expert, I do enjoy mm -hmm. those shows so much. But then when you said that about catastrophic, I'm like, you're right. Almost mm -hmm. every show I've seen, something well, big happens. And that's not good for anyone who's wanting to redesign. That may deter them from doing that. So uh, I'm, I'm glad you shared that. Sure. Well, the second part, too, is, you know, going into, like, the more fun side, you know, the design, the selections, you know. In, TV, in the TV shows, typically, you know, a designer will present the design concept and the folks, you know, they fall in love with it. And then it's all of a sudden, you know, the next day the hammers are swinging and we're starting demolition <laughs> yeah. and all of that. And honestly, on, on that side, you know, there's a whole part that's missed. There's a, actually, there's a lot of decisions to be made when coming to, you know, especially when it comes to like a renovation project, but really just more of a, you know, decor project as well. There's a lot of small details and a lot of small decisions that have to be made that just is not represented or necessarily shown on all the TV shows. And so I'm talking, you know, let's take a kitchen for example you know we want to blow out the walls and build an island and you know make it a big you know family gathering spot that's all great but there's a lot of smaller decisions you know what about the appliances what size what type you know lighting over the island you know what type of lighting are we going to use you know how many bar stools do we need to fit you know even down yeah. to like cabinetry hardware, what style cabinetry hardware, you know, what yeah. size do those knobs and poles have to be? So there's a lot of decisions to be made, you know, in the design process that mm -hmm. are not necessarily always shown on the TV shows. And that's yeah, where a designer, I of course, can come in and working, you know, with a designer because they've been through it. They know the decisions that need to be made. And so they're there to help guide you along through that process so that it's not stressful and you're not in the middle of a project wondering, you know, what the heck did we do? What did we start here? So. Right. Right. Well, and, and you're right, you know, down to cabinetry hardware, you know, like that wouldn't make very good entertainment value on TV. You know, right. choosing <laughs> do we do we want knobs or handles? You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> like that's, exactly. That's exactly. Be, you know, so, yeah. So. 
Um, but that is nice that you said it, that, yeah, it's a, there's a lot of decisions, but they're not stressful decisions and you're there to guide them through those, Absolutely. through those. So, um, well, so let's shift gears from work for a minute and Brian, tell us what you're doing for fun when you're not working. Although it does sound like you have a very fun job. <laughs> sure. Sure. So I definitely do have a very fun job. I really do enjoy what I do, but everyone needs a break every once in a while. And I'm, you know, I'm one of those people that just can't sit still. So, um, I actually still consider myself a bit of a newbie to Atlanta. So I've been here two and a half going on three years. So, you know, when I'm not working, you can see me out like in the city kind of exploring, you know, what all of the, that Atlanta has to offer. You know, I'm a big restaurant food person. So I love trying new restaurants. I'm also, I run on caffeine. I'm not going to say 24 seven, but sometimes <laughs> it feels like that. So, you know, always trying a little coffee shop, you know, always trying a, you know, little place and to get a, you know, a new cup of coffee is something I love to do. Um, I'm also a big outdoorsy person. So when it's not cold out, I love to go, you know, down to the Beltline and run or walk on the Beltline, you know, go to Piedmont Park. Um, and then, you know, doing what else can, you know, creatively inspire me outside of work. So, I mean, there's a huge art scene in, you know, not only like Dunwoody, but the Atlanta area as a whole. And so going to the right. local art museums or exhibits or, you know, live shows, you know, those, those I just find really, really inspiring and, you know, just seeing other creators create and, you know, live in their element is a lot of fun for me. Um, and then I'm also, I'm a, I'm a very active member of ASID, which is the American Society of Interior Designers. And they're a fabulous organization that really does support the interior design industry. And so I try to attend as many of their networking and social events as I can. So definitely don't like to sit still, definitely like to get out as much as I can and you know explore all the great things that this area has to offer. Well, welcome to Atlanta. I didn't realize Thank that you were that new. <laughs> yes. That's still fairly, I would consider that a newbie too. There's still so yeah. much to explore. If you've been here only, if you've been here less than three years, you still have some, some right. great. I, think I still have quite a few years to go before I can consider myself a, a true Atlantan. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll adopt you. Here, okay. we'll, we'll consider, okay. as we natives, we'll, we'll okay. adopt you. <laughs> okay. I'm here for that. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> Thank you. Me too. Me too. It's been a great city to me. So, so far. Well, so we're going to uh, get a little more serious on us for, for a minute. Sure. And I want to ask if there are, are any hardships or challenges that you have faced in life that you can say for having been through that experience and come through, you know, to the other side of that, that you're stronger for that today. Is there anything like that you might want to share with our listeners? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I am an NCIDQ uh, certified interior designer, which is basically it, it's a test. It's the industry's globally recognized benchmark for expertise in interior design. Um, and the non-technical term of that is it's essentially like the bar for interior designers. So the bar exam, you know, that a lawyer would take. Um, it's a very rigorous exam. You have to have, you know, a certain number of work hours. You have to have gone to school for interior design and hold a degree in interior design to even qualify to sit for this exam. Um, and the exam is three different parts. Each of the parts is about, you know, three or four hours each. And it's only offered twice a year, once in the spring in April and then once in October. Um, and that exam, you know, after having gone, of course, to design school, gone to Florida State, you know, I, I was able to get the design degree and then worked, you know, quite a few hours. I think it's an equivalent of like two years or so um, in order to get the right number of hours to sit. So um, I reached all of those benchmarks and applied for the exam, you know, thinking that I was totally prepared. You know, I've, I've gone to school, you know, I've had the work experience, you know, I even studied, you know, the material and everything that I could get. I studied for this exam. And of course, again, it's the three different parts. And so I decided to break the three parts up instead of doing them all together. 
So I take the first part, you know, I go into the test thinking that I got it. You know, I leave the test after the three or four hours and, you know, I'm feeling good about myself. And then the scores are sent to you like six to eight weeks later and I get my scores and I didn't pass the exam. And I was devastated oh, because I, I thought I was so prepared, especially again, you know, having met all the qualifications to even sit for the exam in the first place and having studied for the exam. So I restudied again and I was like, all right, well, I'm not going to, after a while, I'm not going to let this get me down. Let me try again. And so I took that first part of the exam again and I passed it, which I was very excited about. So feeling confident in myself, I decided to then take the next two parts. You could take the next two parts at the same time. So the next testing session, six months later, feeling confident, ready to go into the exam. I sit to take the two parts of the exam again good to go again six to eight weeks later i get my scores back and not only did i fail one of them i failed them both again so <laughs> to say that i was devastated this time was definitely an understatement i was really uh, that one shook me for a minute wow. but then i learned to understand that it wasn't a failure it was a learning lesson because with all three of these exams and now sitting here having you know passed the first one but now having you know, failed the second two, that it's a learning lesson because I've now been given the opportunity to sit and actually see what it's like to go through the exam in the environment. I mean, what better study prep than to actually sit and take the exact exam? So right. from that, overall, pulling that away, and even, you know, in my business and really in my life today, I've learned to take what could be perceived as a failure and turn it into a learning lesson. And I try to approach life like that. You know, what what can I do or what doesn't go the way that I thought? How can I turn this into a learning lesson and use that to better, you know, myself or my business for the future? And I've really learned also, you know, the word pivot and how to pivot. Again, you know, if things don't go your way, how do you stop, analyze the situation and pivot to keep moving forward? Because life keeps moving forward. And so with that, that really, although it was disappointing, you know, taking the lessons that I learned, it was a really good way for me to learn those lessons. And after reanalyzing that, of course, I took those other two exams again, and I did ultimately end up passing them. So I was very excited. Congratulations. About that. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I was. I was, I was hoping you were going to end with that. <laughs> yeah, I was very sorry. Yeah, it was very, very exciting. It took me a couple of years. It took me, you know, double the time that I thought and double the studying and, you know, double the registration and whatnot. But at the end of it, I would definitely say that I'm better for it in more ways than I thought that I would be, not only for the exam and, you know, having passed the exam for the qualification, but just kind of taught me a lot about life as well. Yeah, I love that. I love it. And that you are able, like you said, I love that you use the word pivot and because there is, there's so many times you get a curveball and you mm -hmm. have to, you know, and then like you said, life is going to keep moving forward, whether you are able to pivot and, and, you know, join, <laughs> join the journey again <laughs> right. without it passing you by. But to be able to take, you know, something that, could, like you said, could be perceived as a failure, it certainly wasn't. Like you grew from that, you learned from that, and now you hold a very esteemed certification that uh, <laughs> is, uh, you know, betters betters you in your in your field of work and gives you powerful credentials. And um, congratulations! I'm, I appreciate you sharing that. And, Thank you. and Thank I you. think, and especially like on something like, you know. 
passing or because because they're it you pass or you fail you know it's mm -hmm. like when it's yep, something there's no in between <laughs> yeah it's not like okay I, ooh, I barely scraped by and i gotta you right. know, it, it's you either are you, you it's yes or no pass or fail um and then you know to have have gone through that multiple times consecutively and then have to you know and to i'm just i'm proud of you well thank you thank you <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was a, it was not an easy it was not an easy exam but no, at the end of the I, day you know it just it taught me a lot and so i'm very grateful to have gone through that experience now being you know a couple of years out from that so yeah yeah. And, and that's, you know, like you, you said, you compared it to the bar for lawyers or, you know, medical boards for, for medical professionals and, and, and providers. And, you know, like the, that, that is a, a wonderful accomplishment that you, you have there. So uh, okay. I, I'm, I'm glad you shared that story with us and, and that might inspire lots of people who are in various fields that have to take, you know, the exams that are like that, you know, not just interior design, but, um, you know, Absolutely. Absolutely. If it areas. doesn't go your way, take a step back, think about it, figure yeah. out how to pick it and reapproach it again. And just yeah. know that that failure was a learning lesson in That's a great right. way. And you, and, and especially because it, it sounds like you have lived a, a wonderful life. You know, you, you were able to make great, um, some, you hear some people that are, are military uh, families that complain about having to have moved, you know, every four years or moving somewhere new. And, and there was mm -hmm. none of that with you, you know, it was just like you, you made the best of that situation even then, you know, and, and you love picking out new paint and, mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and you just, and then you got into, you know, Florida state and you, you did get, you know, you didn't have a second choice of what your career was going to be, but you did get into that program. So, you know, life has a, a way of, of teaching us the lessons that we need to learn and, uh, and, and having to, ha you know, to show that you had the fortitude and the, the drive and determination and grit really to, to get through doing it again, when, you know, when really you had been successful early on, <laughs> you know, with, with Absolutely. all of the challenges, really, again, congratulations. I'm glad that you stuck with it and, Thank uh, you. Thank and you. had the grit <laughs> to get through that. Well, we're kind of about to, to wrap things up, Brian, is there anything yes. else that you would like our listeners to know about your business, about Brian Conlon Interiors? Sure, sure. So one thing that I would just like to share with the listeners is um, interior design and interior designers. I think a lot of people feel like that it might be, you know, an extra or unnecessary or, you know, folks that are approaching a new project, you know, we can make all of the decisions ourselves and we can do that. And in theory, yes, that is true. But what I found very often in talking with people and people reaching out for or inquiring about design services are folks that are halfway through a project and then realize back to what we were talking about with the television show, you know, just how many decisions there are to be made in the process. And they come to me with a project that's, you know, essentially already started with all these decisions and they don't know, you know, where to go and which direction to turn. And typically in that situation, the first place that people will turn is Pinterest and Instagram and house where there's all these beautiful inspirations and all these beautiful rooms and spaces. And we start creating folders and we start saving, we start putting things in there. And then you take a step back and you look at your whole Pinterest board and none of the pictures look anything like each other. So now you're even more confused than you were to start with. 
And I've seen this, and I'm saying this because I've heard this. I, I can imagine this. this sounds like something I would do. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, Instagram and Pinterest, I mean, it's a great asset, again, for inspiration, just like television shows are. But when it comes to actually making selections, it can almost be a little bit of information overload because there's just right. so much inspiration out there. And that's where a designer can really come in and help by getting to know you again, by getting to know the space, by getting to know the architecture and really your goals and your lifestyle. That's where a designer can take that information and then filter through your inspirations, whether it be something you've seen on the TV show or online or on, you know, saved on Pinterest or Instagram. They can take those together and really curate those ideas, fit them to your lifestyle and then help you implement them. And oftentimes when it comes to that, you're actually saving time, you're saving money, and the process is much less stressful for you. So I would argue to the point that a designer is not an extra or unnecessary, but it's actually part of the success of a project. And the designer should really be considered, you know, at the very early stages of a project. And that's whether or not it's a renovation project or even simply just refreshing your space, just adding some new furniture, just, you know, repainting colors. You know, I've talked to plenty of folks who have just simply repainted and they paint the whole house and realize, this color isn't right. This There's something, this color isn't working the way that we thought. So by at the very beginning of no matter what your project is, you know, considering a designer and investing in a designer, I recommend definitely doing that. I think it's a really, really good way to go and definitely something that should be considered as more necessary versus an extra because it really can save you again, time, money, and stress in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you. Very well said. Well, so Brian, what is the best way if listeners want to learn more, what is the best way for them to get in touch with you? Absolutely. So you can find me at my website, briancommoninteriors.com. Um, best way to get in touch with me is either by phone or email. My phone number 404-862-8509. And my email is brian at briancommoninteriors.com. I'm also on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and LinkedIn, all at briancommoninteriors. Good. I love simplicity. That's good. Yes. <laughs> Consistency is very good when it comes to that, right? Exactly. Exactly. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show, Brian. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Well, great. Well, that's all for today's episode, Atlanta. I'm Stacey Risley with the Good Neighbor Podcast. Thanks for listening and for supporting the local businesses and nonprofits of our great community. Thanks for listening to the Good Neighbor Podcast North Atlanta. To nominate your favorite local businesses to be featured on the show, go to gnpnorthatlanta.com. That's gnpnorthatlanta.com or call 470-946-7007.